It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. And welcome back to another episode of Take Talk. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. This is Stephen O'Rourke. It is Wednesday, September 27th. We have concluded week three of the NFL season. Um, today's a great day because it's also my bride's birthday. Oh. Which is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, – I won't tell anyone how old she turned today. She's young, by the way. She's younger than me, so. Uh, <laughs> but, but she, you know, she might not want that information getting out. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, Steve, we don't really have a lot of news today. I think today is a no-news day. I refuse to discuss the – you know what? I'm not going to say it because I refuse to discuss it. No. And if, and if <laughs> I discuss is- it, then I'm lending credence to it being discussed, and I don't want to discuss it. The minute so. you say it, even even if we don't want to discuss it, there's going to be a discussion about not discussing it, which then becomes a discussion about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of said topic, and I've already had to mute several words on Twitter just so I avoid seeing said topic on Twitter. But anyways, <laughs> that's all we will. That's, that's oh, all that that's, we'll say. I know you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Yep. yep. I remember now. You sent us a call down. No, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So it was a screenshot. Yep. Um. Anyways, we're gonna avoid said topic because I. <laughs> That, that's, that's definitely setting me up to put my foot in my mouth. I don't want it. It's so. not news for us. <laughs> yeah. It's not news yes. for this. True. True. So without news, let's just jump right into uh, things Steve likes. Yeah, jump right into it. I really like these Monday night double games. I wish oh. we did the I, – I know. It's kind of a – I feel like it's been kind of a controversial topic. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people like just the one Monday night. I've actually enjoyed having the two Monday night games. I think part of it is just that it has been for our job, and I've liked just the pace at which we've moved at with having two Monday night games. But it's also been kind of nice just to, you know, I think I I guess I just like having football on for a longer period of time. And with the Monday night double double games, we on Monday night, we get football for like an hour and a half longer or so. And so that's – I've enjoyed that so far, and I think like I actually really like the different crews that they do, and I've, it's you know fun to watch it on the double screen when you uh, like pull it up and everything. So I've actually enjoyed that. I wish that they would. I wish and hope they do that. You know, a little bit more. I think that it, it's nice because I think it opens it up to more possibilities of flexing games potentially. I wonder if that's if that's an interesting topic that that would happen later in the season if you you know you have a good Monday night game that's already in the slot if they right. decide to flex another game into the prime into a primetime slot if they like open that up to be a possibility but yeah I really liked the double games on Monday night um I like cats it's another I, I like dogs this is not a dog versus cat things I like both but I do like cats we actually just on Saturday we adopted uh, another cat, so that's bad. Cool. So I can't come to your house even more than I already couldn't come to your house. Yeah. So apparently we've doubled down on not Brett on Brett not coming over at all. We actually you, said we really want to make sure he doesn't come over. Let's get a second one. Do you but, remember uh, when we recorded the podcast at your house? Yeah. Do you remember yeah, how? Did. 
it took what like five minutes before i was just a mess a puddle of snot and gross and yeah, eye boogers yeah did not go well this one was very very allergic to cats well yeah it doesn't help that our one cat is super just like lovey-dovey thick fur sheds everywhere and so that oh yeah and that did not help at all but we yeah we just adopted a new cat so like four months old super cute our two cats are, are getting along it's been it's been fun these last four days watching them interact with each other and um our cat milo that we've had for a while has become a less pain in the ass because he's preoccupied with this little kitten running around so he bothers me less which is awesome so it was a win <coughs> Um, that is a win-win. Criminy. And then <laughs> the last one, I love soup season. It is fall, which means it is soup season. And I Ooh. like soup. I like soup a lot. What's we your favorite like, soup? Jeez, um, that's a tough one. I really like this. Uh, it's like a saffron chicken dumpling um, soup that we do. Or sorry, sage sage chicken dumpling soup that we do every once in a while that one's really good and i also really like white chicken chili um but yeah i really like the fall because we start you know now that it's not hot you can throw on the oven the oven and or not the oven but the stove more consistently without sweating ourselves out in the kitchen so we start to incorporate a lot more soups as the weather gets cooler and so i like soup a lot and I've been I've been waiting to add it like add them back into our rotation of meals for the week. Um, now that the weather's getting cooler. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, soup is good. I like I make a lot of soups. I love soup too. Yeah, and it's yeah, for once, sure fall now. It's like really cold every morning. It really is. Yep. Yeah, like I'm actually wearing a hoodie today. You've probably never seen me wear a hoodie. Not that often. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Not often. I swear fall feels colder than winter to me. Cause like you're used to, I'm used to the heat. Right. And then fall just feels like, like 50 feels like offensive. You're like, Oh yeah, God, it's cold. And then in the winter you're like used to it by then. So then you're like, Oh, whatever. This is fine. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt picking up my kids from school. You know, no big deal. Yeah. That, that those first couple mornings where it's like, uh, like mid to high forties and you walk outside yeah. and you're like, what is this? Why is this yeah. happening? Why am I freezing? Yes. Okay, um, those are things Steve likes. We're going to pivot probably. I think this might be the last things we like segment. Yeah. We're going to go to Two Truths and a Lie, I think. All right. Next week. <laughs> I, think, I think that'll be fun. <laughs> I just played this game with a group of adults um, a couple of days ago, and it was fun. So we'll, we'll give it a try. We got to make sure Let's we really move. give some good ones because all, all, all I can yes. remember is from like college days doing that in like classes, and it's like, I like purple. And yeah. I have a cat and this, and it's like, well, these aren't even fun. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Let's do, let's go just jump right into, you know, what'd you think about this, Steve? And I'm going to start with, what did you think about the Arizona Cardinals absolutely beating the piss out of the Dallas Cowboys? I thought that was awesome. I think that we really, really, need to reconsider what we thought about Jonathan Gannon as a head coach. And oh, I know. Oh, God. I know. I think it pains a lot of people to have to, like, consider that because it was such a – I think it was a very, like, universally staunch stance a lot of people kind of took where it was like, 
this is going to go horribly. They have a horrible roster. The coach looks like, you know, whatever he looks like. And this is going to, this is going to be bad, but yeah, through three games, they have been very, they've been incredibly competitive in every single game. I mean, they should be, they could be two and one right now, if not for an epic, you know, collapse, I guess you could say against the giants, but I thought it was just a really good game plan by their offense. I thought that Dallas, I don't, I don't know if they got nervous, but they started going away from things that were working on offense. They got really cute inside the red zone, which affected them. And I just, it was just a sound game plan. And I think that it really makes you reconsider the NFC as a whole. And I mean, it's just one game, but you know, it's, it's, it shows that Dallas is fallible and it shows that their defense is fallible. Cause I think that through those first two weeks, now granted they played the New York jets last week, but through those first two weeks that Dallas defense looked just unstoppable. I mean, the pass rush was insane. I guys were flying around. It just looked like, how are you going to move the ball against this defense? But Arizona just as a whole put together an awesome game plan where, you know, they were doing a lot of different things. I love their usage of Rondale Moore in the backfield. I loved how like efficient and quickly Josh Dobbs was getting the ball out of his hand. And I think they, you know, they didn't even give the pass rush a lot of opportunities to get to him. And Paris Johnson played so played very well considering the matchup against Micah Parsons. Just overall, I was incredibly impressed by the air by the Arizona Cardinals and you know just with like I said the coaching in general this like we I think we said you know numerous times that this was a team that you know didn't have a ton of top tier talent and we weren't like nobody was excited about them it was a they, you basically were penciling them in for you know going for get like getting a top pick and everything so I just like it was really cool to see it was really fun to watch them really go all out and make a game plan specifically for the Cowboys and it worked and they played well. And just, it was, it was enjoyable to watch, you know, and, and for Dallas, this doesn't worry me in any way. It's, you know, every team has their bumps I'm, along the road and I'm worried. you're worried. I'm worried uh, just cause I was already skeptical of, of Dak Prescott. Yeah. A little bit. And so, in a game against a pretty bad team with like really no talent, you just yeah. need to, you just need to make a couple plays as a quarterback. He just couldn't get it done. Like they couldn't sustain drives. When it came out of crunch time, he couldn't make the throws. It just is a little concerning. I mean, I, I just don't think Dak is what he was in this game. That's how I was starting to feel. This game kind of yeah. I don't want to say confirmed it because it's just one game, but it's it's starting to confirm it for me. So I'm a little concerned about the Cowboys. I think they're they're your roster is crazy good. Obviously, we've talked yeah. about that at length. But if, you know, once it gets to the playoffs and they're playing the top teams in the league, I don't know that Dak has enough to get it done. And so. I don't know if their offense has – I mean, I say this after saying I'm not that worried. I guess I'm not worried about them making the playoffs and them still having a really good season. But I think, especially in those first two weeks, their defense masked a lot of things that their offense wasn't doing. They, you yes. know, like through those first two games – they were not this insanely efficient offense that was marching up and down the field. It was, you know, here and there. They got a lot of opportunities because their defense was shutting down um, in the teams in the first two weeks. And so, I don't know. It's like 
I think you're seeing what can happen when a team moves the ball on that defense. And I don't think that's going to happen as often. I could be wrong, but, you know, I think that that pass rush and just the speed and athleticism they have on that defense is going to win out a lot of games this year. But I think you're right that this offense and Dak Prescott, if it comes down to them, I don't know, man. I think yeah. Well, in the playoffs, the the offensive side of the ball has to come alive to win Super Bowls. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's where you know matching them up against. I think the first game against the Eagles will be really, really telling. I think that's going to be a very telling game because that'll be the first, you know, not the first time, but you know, one of the few times where they'll get to play a really, truly, you know, elite defense. And I think that we're going to learn a lot in that game. So, you know. I don't. I don't exactly know when they play each other, but it's, yeah, this it's coming week they're going to get the Patriots, which should be a good test a good for, for Dak. Yeah. But, all right, let's move on here. What did you think about Mike McDaniel giving Sean Payton grace despite not deserving it whatsoever? I mean, I thought, yeah, I wish he would have kicked a field goal. I wish. I wish he would have went for seven. I wish he would have. <laughs> I wish he would have gone for more and then had his defense shut him down again and then gone for more. Um, I don't know. I like, I think Mike McDaniel knew what, um, what the news cycle would look like if he set that record and did that. And I think that, you know, we saw a lot of kickback from, which is why this is why I was surprised that he didn't do it. We saw a lot of pushback from the NFL community as a whole when Sean Payton kind of came after uh, Nathaniel Hackett preseason and was like, oh, that was the worst coaching job um, I've ever seen. And I just wonder if that, like, not wanting that to be a distractor in the ultimate, you know, grand scheme of things for the team, I wonder if that was in the back of his head of, like, well, if I score, if I go for this, it's blatant. Like if I kick yep. this field goal, if I go for a touchdown, it's blatant and obvious that I'm trying to run up the score because previous to that, he was not running up the score. In my opinion, that was just a fluid offense. No, never quit. Yeah. They couldn't stop him. I mean, they were running the yeah. ball constantly and they ran all over him. And so I, I think, I wonder if it was just a, you know, a conscious decision by McDaniel to just, say I'm going to take it I'm going to take my foot off the gas I'm not going to go for this record because if I do then you know that puts me in a position where people are talking about the wrong he should have but people are talking I wonder if it's just like he didn't want people talking about the wrong things when it comes to the team as a whole and you know the press conferences and all the beat reporters next you know this week going into week four and so I wonder if it the was lesson you take away from that, if he were to score, is um, I'm so good at calling plays, I can score whenever I want. Yeah, and he – I mean, what happened – I mean, what did you think about this absolute complete shift in Denver's defense from last year to this year? Because it, it hasn't been good for three weeks. Obviously, they brought in – I think, what is it, Vance Joseph is there, D.C. Yeah. now? And after Everell left and went to Carolina, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on their on their defense? I think we're perhaps witnessing the worst coaching job in the NFL. 
Boom. That's funny. Um, um, I don't know. The, the whole team looks broken to me. So I, mean, I don't Sertan, even. I, I, Sertan was getting yeah fried by Chosen Anderson. And yeah, that's like not garbage stuff. That's what I mean when I said the team quit. They just they weren't playing anymore. Yeah. Chris yeah. Brooks, whoever that is, had a fifty-four yard yeah. game. You know? I didn't even know who the I didn't even know who their running back was it, when they uh, right. trotted him out. It didn't it, like as good as McDaniel is, as good as they they have so much talent on that team. It didn't matter who they put out there; they were ripping off. Their yeah, games. they had what four different players with a fifty-yard play: A Chain, Chris Brooks, Tyreek, and Robbie Chosen. And then they had eight players that have a that had a twenty-yard player more. Which is insane. insane. Like Denver just was not playing football. They were playing something else. Maybe they're doing calisthenics in the the aisle of an airplane (laughs) mid-flight. Maybe that's what is going on there. I think that might have been what, yeah, I think that might have happened. Well, they, was that, that was a home game for them, right? No, they played in Miami. Oh, so that was probably what was happening on the way back again. Yeah. Yeah, We got to get this right. Stretch. That was just an ugly game for Denver. Where does that yeah. I mean? A question is: Is there potential that Sean Payton is throwing this season to get Russell Wilson out of there? He's stuck with him. That's the thing. There's rumors coming out now that he's done with Russ after three games. But it's like, bro, you took the job knowing you couldn't get rid of him. What are you even talking about? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that Sean actually feels that way. I just we've heard, you know, the Twitter rumors right. are spread yeah, yeah, yeah. fast. Oh yeah, so, I don't I mean, know. I just listen. You lose seventy to twenty. There's not going to be anything good being talked about. Yeah, in that start with the defense, like, though, man. Yeah, defense was <laughs> horrific. Their offense, I mean, all in all, they had chances. They did okay. They definitely didn't come close to seventy or close to making it a game. But I don't know. It's just that team's a mess, man. That I, that team is a mess, and we have the the toilet bowl this week, which. God bless you if you're a Denver or Chicago fan and you're watching that game for actual viewing and enjoyment or pain or however you view it at this point. But, oof, that is a tough, tough game to watch this week. Um, thankfully, no one should have to watch it because it's at 1 p.m. on a buried slate. I mean, unless you live in Denver or Chicago, I don't think anyone's getting that game broadcasted. No. God, I, no. hope I mean, they, I mean, they took the they took the Chicago game off of the America's Game of the Week. <laughs> they pulled yeah. it for a lot of markets where they switched to uh, the Dallas game. I think. Yeah, well, maybe try planning better NFL because yeah. that was predictable. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. what did you? Uh, what was the next one I wanted to do? There's a couple. What did you think? <laughs> this cracked me up. What did you think of the Vikings defensive game plan against the Chargers? Where so just to recap a little bit for those not aware, the the Vikings played the Eagles the week prior in week two on Thursday night football, and they deployed this insanely soft deep zone coverage. They it was literally like five deep at times, Steve. Like it was crazy, very unorthodox, very out of Brian Flores' wheelhouse. And then they came this week and decided, you know what, that sucked. Let's try something else. Which also sucks, by the way. But they zero blitzed on like, I don't know, twenty five percent of their dropbacks. Like, like Brian Flores is like the hell, the hell with coverage. Let's just go get the quarterback. <laughs> and plots always it didn't work that well. Um, no. Yeah, that 
thank you for refreshing my memory because I was watching that game and I was I was charting that game and there was it was just a blitzer every single time blitzer blitzer it just it felt like I immediately was looking I was waiting for it every single time I like there's so blitzing especially like a zero blitz when you don't have the most talented team can be a good tactic to deploy every once in a while because it can catch a team yeah. off guard. You can get to the quarterback quickly. It's about, you know, basically getting a free runner at the quarterback. That's all it is. You are trying to right. – your defense is planning to cover for two seconds at most, and it is either a sack, a throwaway, a scramble, and then, you you know, you work from there. Yeah. When you start doing it on what felt like 50 to 75% of dropbacks – you then the offense is then just waiting for it, and they yeah. get, they they then are planning for it, and they can you know adjust to it, and they can uh, you know max protect, and Herbert <laughs> can escape the pocket, and they can do different things to plan for it, and then it just becomes a moot point, and at that point, then you're just playing straight man up, nobody deep, nothing, and that's where you get burned, and that's where Keenan Allen goes for 200 yards. Steve. I could go through the list of teams in the NFL and their offensive style and rank them accordingly, one through 32 of teams I would like to zero blitz. The Chargers are probably dead freaking last. They don't throw the ball yeah. deep anyways. No. What the? No. They, they already have one of the fastest time to throws in the NFL. Herbert, oh, it's gotten better this year, but it's still a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short, you know, short game, quick game type stuff with quick Keenan Allen. Mike Williams yeah. played in the slot. Josh Palmer is not like a burner. Uh, they're, they allow, they like a lot of trick plays. They like to throw to their running back. That's not the team to zero blitz. No. It doesn't make any sense. That like Herbert's already got that clock. Like I, yeah, it was so absurd to me. I, I thought Brian Flores. I, I held him in high regard as like a, a genius defensive coordinator. I don't know what's going on. They have zero identity. They do not know who they are on defense. And, and some of it's personnel driven, like they don't have good players. So yeah, a big part of it is personnel. If you I mean looking up and down that roster, you have Daniel Hunter and the Hunterettes, and the, the Hunterettes are not good. It's yeah. a lot of. I mean, the like the backfield is the defensive backfield is bad. A Caleb Evans and Josh Patellas playing significant snaps at corner, not great. Yeah. Byron well, Murphy, a big a big money free agent they brought in is they have him playing on the outside, and he's a slot corner. I know he played yep. outside last year in Arizona, but he's but again, better in the slot. Everybody knows he's better in the slot. And also, Arizona had to play him outside because it, it, it was similar situation, didn't have yeah. a ton of talent, and they had to trot out. It was, you know, trot out our best players. And so, Byron Murphy, we need you to be on the field as often as possible, and the best way to do that is to put you at an outside corner. And it's just – yeah, it's just it was – I don't know what the Vikings think they are, what they want to be. The one-score regression is happening immediately. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're, it's not even, like, going – it's not going to go in their favor at all this year, I think, because this – it was a bad defense last year, and it got a little bit worse. And I think – I mean, a big, big part of it is that the some of these draft picks aren't playing. I mean, we, I think we talked about it preseason, but – the reason they're so like talent deficit at this is they've spent high draft picks on guys that were expected to be a part of the 
growth of this defense and they're not out there because because of whatever reason yeah. obviously they're not developing well but they there are two guys they drafted they drafted andrew booth jr and they drafted lewis scene both of whom were supposed to be guys that were supposed to usher in the new era of yeah. this vikings defense and they're nowhere to be seen they've played zero snaps the vibe check on scene is not good either like everything i'm hearing is that they he's yeah, just not getting it they don't like him yada 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 same with Andrew Booth Jr. I think it's this, it's very similar, and so that is how, that's how they got to this point. A big reason is that you know they've they've spent high draft picks on guys that were expected to contribute, and they're not even making they're not even making an appearance on the field. And so, yeah, it was overall. Yeah, the game plan was insane. I you know Flores has been known to do that. Like when when he was in uh, Miami, they yeah, were very. They did that a lot. They did a lot. Elite quarterback unit, though. True. You had Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Like, okay, sure. We'll we'll do that once in a while. Javon Howard. Yeah, Yeah. they were able to do it, and they don't have the talent in the defensive backfield to be to be pulling that again, especially against a Chargers team with a very fast time to throw, a quarterback that can throw up off platform very well. And is, you know, pretty decent at like a little bit of improvisation. If, you know, he feels some pressure, he's good at feeling pressure. And so, yeah, yeah, I that think, was like, like the Vikings running in that against the Lions, honestly, might not be a bad strategy. Because go ahead. Jared, Amon Ra, Gibbs, Laporta will eat you alive. I did Jared Goff against the Blitz this year hasn't been, he hasn't been the best and getting, no. getting free pressure on him tra- changes the way he plays the game. So, but yeah, against the Chargers. I mean, come on, man. Like, what? I don't know. It's... Yeah, I. Here's the thing: the, the zero blitz thing. It, it's not. It's not a completely garbage idea. In, no, in it's philosophy. not. It I not. like the idea of forcing the ball quickly in certain situations, especially like third and long. Yes. Like third and really long, like third and fifteen, third and twenty. I like it because. Mm-hmm. Chances are you're forcing that ball out way before a route develops far enough downfield to convert that first down. So as long as you tackle, you're fine. Um, one big problem with the way the Vikings deployed it is they didn't get home either. That was the other issue. No. They weren't getting home. Herbert completed, or Herbert and Keenan Allen together completed 85% of passes on 48 attempts. That's 40 completions. Joshua nice. Kelly didn't have a single first down running the ball this game. Not one. Yeah, and and still the the Chargers had twenty two first downs, so it was pretty nuts. Um, but and like, going back to the zero blitz discussion, I a lot of we see this in Detroit with Aaron Glenn. Sometimes he uses they use zero blitz to hide bad corners. I think that's the wrong way to use it. Yeah, I want I to use zero blitz to hide bad pass rush. If I got good corners, right. way more comfortable zero blitz. That's why it worked in Miami with with Flores. Right, or work so. If I got a bad pass rush and I got good corners, cool. I can trust those guys. I'll dial up some zero blitzes to manufacture pass rush. I'm not yeah. using it to hide bad corners. Bad corners are bad whether they got one and a half seconds to cover or two and a half seconds to cover. Let's protect them guys. Oh, and you know what doesn't that, and you know what's even makes them even worse is when they have no help. Oh yeah. Which is what which is what zero blitzing does. It gives it gives your corners, your secondary no help. They they just man on man and they exactly. have to they don't have to win, but they have to be close. And having bad corners a lot of times, especially against a guy like Keenan Allen, he's going to fry him every single time. If he doesn't yeah, have to we, read, if he doesn't have to read any coverage, he just like can see that it's just man up. Oh, that, gives, you, that opens the door so much for Keenan Allen. Keenan uh, Allen will but, beat pretty much every corner one on one. Yeah, 
And so it's like it's senior just, bowl reps at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I actually have another, this what did you think? What did you think about the Vikings not spiking the ball and uh, going for it at, at like after running up the line and everything? Um, well, did you think it was as egregious as a lot of a lot of people thought? You're talking about so it's third and ten, and they had the short pass to Hawkinson, right? Yeah. And or no, 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 Is second it, fifteen, second yeah. fifteen. Yep, at the end of the game. And then okay, and then yeah, they spiked it. You're right. They they should. I mean, sorry, they didn't spike it. They should have spiked it. Instead, they throw a dump off to Hawkinson again, who just falls down after he catches it because that's what Hawkinson does. And so zero zero upside play, by the way. And yeah. And then you let time run off the clock, right? Is that, yep. is that basically how it went? Yep. And then um, yeah, yeah, I didn't, didn't, didn't like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There was some weird clock management. What was the other game this week that had some some clock management issues? Um. Um, uh, older, uh, well, not Steelers Raiders. That was its own issue. No. Um, oh crap. Anyways, let's not dwell on that. Yeah. Let's jump. Right. I want to do two more. What did you think of this, Steve? And they're going to transition us into previewing the Thursday night game. Cause that's the game we're going to preview this week is Detroit. Green Bay. So the first one is what did you think of the New Orleans Saints blowing a 17 point lead to Green Bay who couldn't get anything going on offense to lose by a point? What'd you think of that? I think that them losing their car hurt a lot. I think that that their offense was moving pretty well, and Derek Carr's played pretty well this year. And boy, is he taking his chances down the field. And I think that that is what the Saints' offense is kind of wants to be predicated on is taking those shots. And Jameis isn't as he like he is more keen, but I think he's not as keen as he used to be to do that. And he's not as accurate down the field as Derek Carr, but I thought it was it was a good it was a good uh, two point conversion call by Lafleur. I loved that call, but it was that was just an ugly game. And the Saints should I mean the Saints should have won that game. And Jordan Love didn't look the greatest. He played well at the end of the game coming up clutch, you know, leading a couple of those drives, but throughout the mo- most of that game, he looked a little bit off. He lo- looked a little bit off kilter. I think the saints were really getting to him with some pass rush as well as just like the coverage was confusing him a little bit, but I thought it was bad by the saints to blow that lead. I mean, especially for like, again, especially for a defense that I think has been, that is very good and has been playing very good. And it, it just, it's it was an embarrassment. It's a, it's, it's a tough say. loss to take. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. It, it's a great, they were up seventeen to zero to start the fourth quarter. Yeah, seventeen zero to start. It wasn't like they were up seventeen zero in the second, and then Green Bay slowly worked their way back into the game. No, they they had a seventeen point lead in the fourth quarter. They had a, had yeah. a seventeen point lead with eleven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and they lost. Um, there's no excuse for that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing though. You know what hurts worse than than the New Orleans Saints losing Derek Carr? The New what? Orleans Saints losing Andy Dalton. He should be their starting quarterback this year. Yeah, I Andy Dalton played out of his mind on Sunday. He played out of his mind most of last year as well. I can't 
see a world where he's not a better option for them right now. At uh, I at also think that Andy Dalton might just be kind of decent at football, and we ran <laughs> a lot of people ran him out of the league, ran him out of the of a starting job because of what happened in Cincinnati and everything. Because if you look at the advanced stats from last year, if you look at like if you pull it up on uh, Fantasy Points Data Suite. Last yeah. year, Andy Dalton was like one of the most efficient, one of the most accurate. Like he appears at the top of almost every single quarterback stat. It's insane. Adjusted completion percentage, uh, completion percentage over expected. Um, his A dot was pretty high. Like he he, he was objectively weirdly, awesome last year. Yeah, and you're right. Like he should. I mean, I get going after Derek Carr, but not retaining Andy Dalton, I think, was bad. Because he, he bad, went to, bad. it's not like he went. To, it's not like he went to Carolina to be the starter. He went to go do the same thing he would be doing in New Orleans. And how do you not look at what he did in New Orleans last year and say this is a great um, security blanket? This is what I don't understand about the way the NFL views QBs. So Derek Carr is three years younger than Dalton. That's cool. So maybe you can make the argument Carr got the contract because he's a little younger. There's more prom, you know, long term promise there. But go back to when Dalton was 32. Teams were treating him the same way. He was doing these one-year backup deals. He did a deal in Chicago. Then he backed up uh, Dak in Dallas one year. Like, why Why is he not getting starting opportunities, like, consistently? Why is he having to fight for every opportunity he gets or wait for a guy to get injured? Or, like, because last year it was he wasn't even the starter to start the season. Well, he's, it was not, even getting, he's not even getting opportunities. Yeah, that's, like, what, that's what I mean. He's not even, he's getting an opportunity yeah. to just be, like, all these teams that need bridge quarterbacks. Like, right. if, if I were, uh, like, the New York, we've talked a lot about New York Jets making a move. I'd call about Andy Dalton. The Carolinas yeah. got no long-term interest in him. I, they might no. like him to mentor Bryce Young, but shoot. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd do that. A, that, is, that is something that I don't think I've seen anybody mention. It is a great point. Why don't the New York Jets go after Andy Dalton? That would be such anyone. a good <laughs> well, – Yeah, anyone. They should, they should that, contact you, Steve. Well – I I think I could sling it like Zach Wilson. Just kidding. I'd get absolutely murdered out there. I'd end up with a rib through my throat. Um, <laughs> the first hit I take from someone like Micah Parsons, I'd end up with a rib sticking out my mouth. Well, you don't have to play him. They already did that. You're, you're That's good. true. That's true. It's out of there. Um, I, do have to, I do have to play Matthew Judon twice. So, But, um, yeah, that I don't know. Over, yeah, it's a bad loss by the Saints. And this is a Saints team that a lot of people picked to um, win the division. A lot of people have. I mean, they were favored to win the division. A lot of people picked them to win the, the division. Their defense is good. And I don't know. I mean, if they lose Derek Carr for an extended period of time, it might actually tank their season a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, I it's just ugly business, especially in – I think Green Bay got a little bit lucky on some. I mean, Jordan Love was making some bad decisions, and I and the Saints did not capitalize on that. But yeah, it's just yep. that's that one's got to sting for the Saints. It's got to sting oh, when you had them bad. absolutely hemmed in for three, three and a quarter quarters, <laughs> and it's just yeah, that's ugh. And as as Lions fans, that one really stung for us, Steve. And that just that's a great transition into the last one we're going to talk about, which is how about the Lions' defense, Steve? What do you think about that? Man, that, I thought that that was the one of the bigger surprises of the week. I think 
talk about flipping a switch or throw talk about throwing a bad game plan out and just go with a a yeah that worked it worked and i we i say we i mean me i think you might have but i think people in general didn't really lend a lot of credence to how well their um rush defense has been and that is completely what atlanta's offense is built off of and that's they run, they run to establish the pass. And the Lions absolutely throttled down. And the biggest thing that changed this week is that they didn't miss tackles. They did not miss tackles at the line of scrimmage. Now, granted, Seattle didn't, you know, they didn't produce a ton in the run game last week, but it should have been about 30 yards less. Seattle should have had like 12 to 14 yards. Yeah, Seattle averaged like less than two and a half yards a carry against Detroit, and it should have been less it, than that. It should have been less. But they, I mean, the Lions were missing tackles, but. This week, they shored up their tackling. It looked very clean. Defensive line, the interior defensive linemen, Benito Jones, Bugs, uh, Ali McNeil, all were, you know, making impact plays. They were not getting armed and letting a guy bounce outside, which was what Kenneth Walker was kind of doing to them. And I think that just set the tone for the defense as a whole. And that I think it made them more confident once they were able to kind of really – make uh, Atlanta one-dimensional, which that is the last thing that Atlanta wants is to have to put a game on the shoulder of Desmond Ritter. And you saw I mean, what can happen. Well, they also just stopped trying at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just that this Atlanta team still, I think, is still going to finish as a top-10 offense in the NFL. But Ooh, bold it, I don't think it's that bold of a take. They were top-10 last year. Yeah, but it's it looks different. It, it's a different looking top ten than what anybody wants to see. But um, I like it. Just it was a it was a sound game plan. I, the secondary played better. Brian Branch was all over the field. The pass rush started getting home, and they did a lot of they really really tinkered with their personnel in pass rush, which which I think helped a lot. Like you, I mean, you wrote. You wrote an article about it and, and have had talked about it that, you know, I mean, they had Derek Barnes in there rushing the passer. They had Jack Campbell in there rushing the passer. You know, yeah. they, they had obviously Aiden and then Charles Harris. And so I think that that created a lot of different looks because that's a lot of different styles of pass rushers that you're dealing with. <laughs> overall, it's a lot of speed. So I think Detroit might have might have found something. We'll see this week when they play a little bit better offensive line. But it's overall, it gives you hope that this team, that the Lions can be, can reach the potential that everybody has been putting on them in the preseason. Yeah. I think Atlanta's offensive line is very good. So I, while Green Bay might technically rank higher on a list somewhere, I don't like it's not going to be much different as far as like what you're scheming for and what you're getting ready for. So yeah. um, they're the Lions. So like eight, Aaron Glenn's ability to make adjustments game to game is really good. Yeah. I just need him to start doing that in inside of the game. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? He's not great about like, Hey, what we're doing is not working. Let's pivot to something else. It's like, whatever his game plan is, he believes in that he's going to go yeah. and it's going to hurt sometimes because he won't change. And then times like this where the game plan's perfect and they, they completely blank a team basically. So well, I just, one of the biggest differences that, that I saw was pass, pass rush lane integrity. That oh, yeah. completely changed well, from from last week to this week. 
Well, so against the Seahawks, they weren't even rushing upfield though. They were they were literally right. playing the contain and basically stopping their feet. When you stop your feet against an athletic quarterback, like he's going to find creases to to get. And they did. They actually did contain Geno decently well. Uh, that pass rush play was so stupid. They were dro- they dropped a, a defensive yeah. lineman to coverage on fifteen snaps. Like <laughs> another yeah. big change, Steve. That I didn't mention in my article. By the way, if you haven't checked out my best ball, it's a Sorry, my best ball. What are we? What are we talking about here? Fantasy football. <laughs> my game ball article. It's a weekly article where I give a game ball to the most standout player of the week. Uh, this week, I gave it to the entire Detroit Lions defense. Go check that out on fantasypoints.com if you haven't. One thing I failed to mention in that article, just because I ran out of words, because I try to keep that thing under you know a thousand words. Yeah. Um, Aline McNeil moving back to three tech. So Levi Onzerike only played like what ten nine snaps this game or something. Yeah, uh, which was good. Deserved. He didn't play that well the last the first two games of the season. Played good in the preseason, but it's not preseason anymore. So Aleem goes back to the three tech spot where he'd been playing more on the nose, um, you know, to start the season. He played a little little nose this week as well, but mostly at the three tech. You saw the explosiveness. You saw his ability to defeat blocks. I mean, he was a menace, dude. He had yeah. like three or four high quality passers reps. He got into the backfield a bunch of times, blowing plays up. Even one he didn't make a tackle on. Um, yeah. The one actually, remember the play where Branch came out like a heat-seeking missile, shot the gap and, and hit yeah. Bijan for like minus four. Yeah, that was all. That wasn't Branch. That was Ali McNeil. Like obviously, Wait, Branch that, had to make the tackle. Was that was that the one on Algier on Bijan? It may have been Al, Algier. I don't remember, but he Branch drilled the dude. McNeil yeah, though, no, he, he blew that play up. He completely, completely destroyed his block. Shot the gap. And Algier had to slow his feet down, which is why it looked like Branch killed him because he yeah. did. But also Brian Branch, Steve. I mean, I my uh, f- rookie of defensive rookie of the year, forty five to one odds bet looks pretty freaking good at the moment. So he looks he looks good. He looks like he looks like how everybody talked about him prior to the last three weeks before the draft. Yeah. Like like it was one of those things. It was where, he was a draft darling all season. It was until he ran a four five eight forty where people panicked for no reason. It's and it's it's one of those things where maybe we just with guys like that and it happens every almost every draft cycle. Maybe with guys like that, just stop thinking and just just stop stop yep. doing stop evaluating once you once you've done the initial maybe another. His numbers, yeah, the 40 time wasn't great, but a 4-5 isn't detrimental. You've seen guys who run 4-5 and they look different in pads. Just don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. And too many teams overthought it because there are so many teams that could use – I mean, every team could use a player like that. He's a guy that you can fit into your system because I think he plays – he can do and he plays very well within, you know, what he's asked to do. And so – I got a comp for you. That I haven't talked about yet. Who so every everybody's thrown out like, oh, he's like Honey Badger, or or he's like, uh, what's the? He's like a smaller Jeremy Chin, or I'm blanking on the other guy. He gets caught to all the time. Um, oh, Lejerry Sneed. He's like a Lejerry mm-hmm. Sneed type. I got it. It's not any of them. Or Chauncey. Actually, he was caught to Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Uh, yeah. Preseason, but anyways, it's uh, Devin McCourty. Oh, he reminds me of Devin McCourty where McCourty was good enough where he could have played outside corner. I think Brian Branch could play outside corner, 
but his instincts and his ball skills and his tackling ability just made him better at nickel safety deep. Like he played all three of those positions for new England for basically 10 years. Yeah. Um, an interchangeable piece where depending on the game plan, you might be in the slot this week. You might play, be playing deep safety, you might be playing in the box. It didn't matter. He was just their utility piece, but yeah. their stature, their, like athletic profiles, very similar. McCourty had a lot of the same feats coming out of college as Brian Branch. I I, I never thought about it until today, but he reminds That's me a lot of Devin, Devin McCourty. Yeah. Yeah. He's All right. So watch if you haven't watched him, go watch some of those highlights because he has an instinct for the ball. Yeah. Um, we're gonna wrap this up talking about the Thursday night football game. The the Detroit Lions head to Lambeau Field take on the Packers. I love when they get to go to Lambeau early in the year because then we avoid the the frozen oh. tundra late in the year. But yeah. um, So how do you think this game's going to go? I, I have pretty distinct thoughts on it, but I want to hear what you have to say first. Um, I, this game completely hinges on Jordan Love because if you look at his advanced stats, he is up near the top of the NFL in turnover-worthy throw rate, but it hasn't really turned into anything yet and so i think he needs to be better about being smarter with the ball i think he still needs to take his shots i they might get christian watson back they might get aaron jones back those two will change the game plan a little bit for green bay and allow them to open it up a little bit more but it really to me comes down to can jordan love play smart and not be as loose loosey goosey with the football I think that he's going to have his chances. This Detroit team, you know, we saw it against Seattle. They give opportunities out in the in the defensive backfield. It's not a ton, but if you if you take advantage of it, it's there. And so, if Jordan Love can operate with his, within the system, not have really any turnover, like one turnover worthy throw, and because I think that Detroit will jump on it if it's there. But if he can keep it to one or none, then he gives this team a chance. And on the opposite side of the ball, you know, Detroit, I think, just needs to keep doing what they're doing on offense. Uh, and look, getting Taylor Decker back potentially this week is going to help a lot because Rashawn Gary looked really good against uh, New Orleans. Yeah, but I, I think this is going to be a, a, a definitive win for the Lions. I do too. I, I I don't see a world where so like I know Lafleur can scheme it up. Arthur Smith can scheme it up too. The problem mm-hmm. is the Lions run D versus the Packers run game is like they're going to be Jordan Love's going to be in third and long on on a lot of possessions, and I just don't see him being good enough right now to overcome that, especially with the weapons he has. How young they are. Yeah. I uh, I mean the Falcons have better weapons. The Seahawks have better weapons. I I and the. I just don't I don't see that offense doing enough. Furthermore, their defense has been it's gettable. It's not yeah. as good as it's been, Steve. I know well last year they were kind of bad in general, but Well, I don't think it's that that's one of the biggest like to them and the Cleveland Browns up until this year. That like they were the two teams that had the most talent, but it just like never materialized. And yeah. I think it's been like that for the last three to four years with the Packers. For sure, the last two. I feel like twenty twenty one. They had a really good defense. I could be wrong though, but you might you might be right. But it just it feels like there's been gaps where somehow you know what it is. It's they get they always get really good individual performances season to season. Like Jair will have a great year, but the defense will suck. 
Last year, Rashad Gary was unbelievable, but the defense was terrible. Looks and like so I think that's what it is. Like they, year. yeah, they have like superstar caliber players, but everyone else just doesn't really lift them up. Um, I think the Lions' yeah, offense a, is going to roll a, right through them. It's not a unit working together. It's a lot of like one guy doing his job at a time. Because like if you were to go down the list of their defense, I I really 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 like almost. Oh. I know. Every guy on their defense. They're all like first they, round picks, Steve. They like, have an they have an impact player at basically every every major position on defense. Yeah. And it's just like it just doesn't work in unison as often as it should. And I just True. like there, there's communication breaks in the secondary a little bit too often. There's gaps in the pass rush a little bit too often. And it just it it, it does. It just like you you look at it on paper and you're like this team can't won't give up 20 points a game. And then you watch it happen and it's just like guys disappear from down to down and just, it just doesn't work out. But I really think we're going to get a good look at, you know, Jordan love. I think the pieces are there. I think he's still figuring it out a lot. And I think that he is, he's very, very willing to put the ball into danger's way. Yeah. He's 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 ready for it. And it hasn't, and it hasn't come to bite him in the, in the ass yet. Like you haven't really seen right. it bite him in the ass. They're two and one. They've been playing, you know, he's been playing well in clutch uh, end of game situations. And I think that might flip this week because I think the Bills just going to come due. I mean, like just karmic retribution is going to make its way in three games yeah. of three games of having <clears throat> an overall 11% turnover worthy throw rate, which is tied for second worst in the league. That's it. I mean, that has to play a factor. Yeah, so the turnover point. luck is going to end at some point. Yeah, case we made the way the Lions defense played this week. It's going to be this week. So I, I like that call a lot. Love throw for throw has been pretty inaccurate. The yeah, one thing I will be- say nice about Jordan Love is he he is making a lot of the big play, the off-platform stuff that makes you go, yeah. ooh, there's something there. So I think long-term, I probably actually like him. I like his yeah, prospects, especially as this yes. young receiving core develops. I just think for right now, I don't think they're ready. I think yeah, this is going to be I, kind of a down year for the Packers, and then they'll be ready to roll next year. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think that, yes, long-term, I think that if he keeps making progressions week over week, year over year, I think that in next year, year after, if the, if Green Bay does and they should retain him, I, I think that he turns out to be a very, very good quarterback. But right now, there's just way too much putting the ball in harm's way. There's just way too much missing receivers in space. I mean, I think he has like the third or second highest um, uncatchable ball throw rate. Yeah, some of them were for big plays too. Yeah, it's just there's – he's leaving a ton of meat on the bone. And I think, again, I think the bill comes due this week. They've been in a lot of close games and they've made a lot of good comebacks. They almost beat Atlanta. They they could almost be potentially 3-0. But I think that regression hits a little bit this week. And I think that Detroit – this is a game that, you know, obviously bad, like bad blood, big rivalry. And I think that that, you know, a lot of stakes and stuff like that. I think Detroit ramps it up on defense and gives uh, Jordan Love a hard time. I agree. All right. That's going to do it. Guys, um, I don't know. Oh, I'm not supposed to tease this yet. Oh, shoot. Oh. Well, anyways, go to data.fantasypoints.com. There's a, a uh, seven-day trial on there. You can still get yep. the data suite for 50 bucks too, if you just want to yep. go ahead and do that, which you should, because it's awesome. So 
Also, go check out our content. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, we're getting close to the bye week, Steve, which is exciting because we're almost that there. makes our job a little bit easier. We might have a little, even a little more energy on the podcast. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's in store? But uh, real quick yeah. before we break, I want to just shout out the Cleveland Browns defense because I don't think we've gotten a chance to say anything about them. And true. I hope to dive. <clears throat> I hope to dive deeper into them at some point in the season. But so far, absolutely <clears throat> incredibly incredible job by Jim, by Jim Schwartz. He took a team that again, like I said, with the Packers has the like the most talent in the NFL and he's making it work and you're seeing it all finally work in unison because it was there last year but they the defensive backfield broke down so many times but boy is that a great unit that they don't even need they don't even need Deshaun Watson to be good this year and they still could be a playoff team yeah they they held an NFL team to under 100 yards of total offense guys so I just Um, real quick I wanted to get that off because I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about a, a unit that's been playing probably the best, like the best football in the NFL right now on that side of the ball. Yeah, it's crazy. They're, they are playing out of their mind. They, Steve, they, this is actually crazy. Dude, they're, they've only allowed like 400 yards of total offense in three games. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely insane. I know. They're often to work to lose the game yeah. against Pittsburgh. I saw one of the data geeks on Twitter, the uh, you know, pocket protector types. They, yeah. uh, they t- somebody one of them tweeted that the Browns defense have the three best EPA per play allowed on defense, and they all came this season. Weeks, I think this week, week three was number one all time. Week one was number two all time, and week two was number three all time. In one yeah. year, in three weeks in a row. So this defense yeah. is legit. They are going to single-handedly carry that team to the playoffs, probably. And, yeah, uh, yeah good things coming from them. Nice so. shout-out, Steve. Thank you. That's a, that's a good way to end the show. Dog pound to fire up. We will be back next week. Out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.